never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that already feels like it's on the quest for the dial of destiny. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> How's okay. it going? What? How's it going? <laughs> it's going. Um, okay, so for our listeners, if you didn't notice, we were not there last week because we decided last minute to take an impromptu break for Thanksgiving. In all reality, we took that decision because... We got too busy. <laughs> Scheduling conflicts. Yeah, and it's it's the holidays, which it's crazy, but um, I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff comes up all at once sometimes, so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. What's funny about it is, like, I was talking to someone about um, playing Dungeons & Dragons, not like, hey, let's get together and play Dungeons & Dragons, more like, I've always been interested in playing Dungeons & Dragons, and I'm trying to get a group together, and blah, 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 Yeah. and they're just like, I just want to play D&D. And I go, but you don't realize you already are playing, playing D&D. The first handful of sessions are rescheduled. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, it's it's the old it's the Warhammer problem, right? Because yeah. you get your army, you spend all this money, you spend all this time gluing all of your minifigs together. You spend all this time painting them, decorating them assembling this epic army and it's almost like you spend more time preparing to play than you ever actually spend playing and uh i love that conundrum but it's a it's a horrible thing we all get mixed up in i guess as uh nerds (laughs) yes it is um so that being said we took vacation we took a brief week off for thanksgiving i had a fairly decent thanksgiving i assume you did i ended up seeing you at the end of the weekend and you know we had our normal family gathering um, yeah, yeah, it was which, nice. <laughs> which was just kind of fun. Um, but uh, we have tons to discuss, so let's jump right in. So over the course of the break, Peter, what did you get a chance to watch? Let's see if this and if I've seen it instead of going back and forth like you would give me your whole list. If I've seen it, we'll talk and then we'll just keep going. OK, sound good. Yeah, that sounds good. So. I so after our last episode, which would have been two weeks ago, that weekend, I actually watched a ton of stuff and uh, I kind of quickly realized I was like, if I don't stop watching stuff at the rate I am, we're going to have way too much to talk about. (laughs) I almost in a bad way took a conscious effort to like not watch as many new things after that. But like it was literally that weekend I watched like three new movies and uh, yeah, it was just it was kind of getting crazy. But uh, stuff I watched. I this most of what I watched, I feel like you've probably watched as well, Drew. Um, the one that I feel like you probably didn't watch is uh, I watched the movie Barbarian on HBO oh, Max. I don't know if you've the, had a chance to check it's this on out. the short list. I did not because like you, I watched a mega ton of stuff. 
Absolutely. So, um, there was there was a lot of yeah. like to be fair, there was a lot of like must watch stuff available within the last two weeks. But um, Barbarian is a good movie. It's a cool horror movie. It is. Um, I think it's just it's one of those things where it's a really solid monster flick. I kind of feel like it's a little bit overhyped. I feel like I was seeing people online going crazy about this movie and I watched it and it was good. I don't think it's like the greatest thing ever, but it is a really solid monster movie. If that makes sense. Um, It has, it has some good gross out parts. Um, It's really has some really cool suspenseful parts. A lot of really good characters. I personally didn't feel super scared while watching it. And I didn't feel there wasn't a lot of, uh, good jump scares in my opinion but i did think the story was really good and intriguing so that's barbarian super solid if you want to watch a really gruesome gross monster movie definitely check it out it's worth watching i just feel like in a a little bit of the way i feel like it's a little bit overhyped but it's still a worth watching flick um from there, I actually went ahead and watched uh, Don't Worry, Darling, which is also on HBO Max. Uh, I wa- Drew, I'm pretty watched, sure you watched this one, too. <laughs> I watched this as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I personally, I thought this was a really cool um, kind of utopian society movie. I feel like there's certain aspects of the movie that I feel like might be inconsistencies but overall i thought it was really good it was entertaining i just thought i it's hard for me to review this without spoiling it (laughs) uh much like actually barbarian would have been the same way but without spoiling it it's hard for me to pick apart the aspects that i wasn't completely satisfied but i felt like it was such a engaging and entertaining watch there's not a lot to complain about i just feel like when it comes to the end, I kind of wish they went in a different direction with it. Um, and I could get more specific about that if you want. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were on the film. (laughs) So overall, I thought this film was fantastic. Um, like it was shot really well. Um, it was brilliant storytelling, brilliant writing. Um, on the surface, if you've seen the trailer, this has got a very Stepford Wives kind of look to it. But there's something that kind of struck me as a very 13th floor kind of vibe. If you've ever seen the movie The 13th Floor, you know what I'm talking about. And if I go too much into that, it kind of ruins it a little bit. So if you know what I'm talking about, it's got a very 13th floor kind of vibe. If you don't know, that's okay. Go watch The 13th Floor if you want or just watch Don't Worry Darling and enjoy. Um, So I feel like the 13th and I've never seen The 13th Floor, but I feel like that might be the vibes that I felt like might have been a little bit inconsistent um (laughs) because to me okay so i'll keep this as as vague as possible but this might be a spoiler so if you want to skip ahead a couple minutes audience like please go ahead this movie is super new so i definitely don't want to spoil it for anybody but i feel like the there's the whole conundrum of this is a utopian society and it could be it could have been so it's like, did they decide to do it as a real location or as like kind of more of a simulation sort of brainwashing, like it's all in your head sort of thing? And without giving it away, I feel like they went one direction with it, even though everything up until that reveal was hinting that they would have gone in the opposite direction. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, I do. And so do that's that's <laughs> where I feel like there, I have all these questions about like. For example, the plane that she sees, like, 
what was that? <laughs> and there's like a million other clues where I'm left kind of questioning like, well, why would that be the case if it's the direction they went with it? So that's my way to keep it extremely vague. But I just have questions about the movie is basically what I'm getting at. I gotcha. Okay. Um, well, here's the thing. As things start to fall apart in the world that they live in in that movie, um, that's where I started going, this is totally 13th floor. This is going to be awesome. Right. When you actually see what's going on outside of the town, um. That was, like, in my opinion, a shocker. I didn't actually think we were going to get to see some of that. I actually thought it was going to all be left to, like, our imaginations in a way. But, man, once you see what's behind the curtain, it's like, whoa, that's nuts. Um, to the to the to to a very dark degree, if you will. Um, and I thought it was really, really good. Um, man, it's hard to talk about this movie without spoiling the crap on it. Yeah. I just think everyone, I just think everyone <laughs> exactly. should see it. It's just a good movie. And it's one of those... And I don't mind spoiling little stuff when we talk or if there's something huge we need to discuss. But I just feel like this is one of those movies with, like, a turn to it that is worth saving. Um, the only criticism I had with the film is that I felt that the last maybe 10 to 15 minutes felt kind of rushed. Um, like, they ran mm. out of budget and, like, get to the credits quick. I really don't know. Um, otherwise, like, Olivia Wilde being a director and stuff, awesome. Like, just compelling it's just fantastic i don't know i really enjoyed the movie so okay that that's interesting though i felt like the end of the movie was actually pretty well paced um okay i do i, I do get what you compared mean, to but... compared to i felt like it was rushed okay yeah i mean it was like a really slow burn and then all of a sudden end really quick but like sometimes with movies like that when there's like the really slow burn once you realize what's going on you're kind of just like all right let's Let's wrap it up. You know, let's not linger on things. So I feel like the movie took a more rushed ending route, which I actually thought was kind of refreshing in a weird way. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what else did you watch? OK, so then the next movie I watched uh, two weeks ago <laughs> was uh, A Christmas Story Christmas, which I, yes. I feel like you probably definitely watched as well. Right? Also watched. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. This movie was kind of what the trailer led me to suspect. I thought it was like a really charming, really satisfying follow up to the original Christmas story. I feel like we talked about it on the show where I remember saying like the Christmas story is this childhood favorite movie of mine that I've grown up and I've watched over and over again every uh, holiday season. And I knew this sequel wasn't going to live up to it. You know, there's no way this sequel could possibly live up to that. And I kind of kept that in mind and took the movie for what it was, but I thought it was really fun. I thought um, it was really awesome to see all of the old characters and stuff. Um, some of those, uh, I, I enjoyed those like sort of like Ralphie's fantasies in his head sort of sequences that felt like they were really akin to the, <laughs> the original movie and stuff like that. Um, especially the one where he, uh, at the beginning of the film, when he gets turned down um, by the one publisher and uh, before leaving in his, his audience, uh, Ralph, <laughs> yeah. leaving his office, Ralphie is just kind of like staring off into space, like daydreaming. And it's really similar to the uh, classroom scene from uh, the original movie. And I just thought that was like really, really funny. And it was that was a good scene to set the tone of like oh, yeah, we're still doing this. We're going there. So um, what are your thoughts on A Christmas Story Christmas, Drew? Well, the 
I, I went in with the same expectations you did. And like, there's no way it's going to live up. But, you know, it started out um, going, okay, this is Ralphie now, which is great. Um, and you you see the flash or you see the the fantasy idea that he has. And then they, they hearken back again. They do another one um, with him and the cowboy get up fighting Black Bart from the original yeah. again. Um, and that was hysterical to watch that sequence. Um, but then all the other characters, Flick and Schwartz, um, and then Scott Farkas, and then, you know, like, it's just as things piece together, going to the same store with the same Santa Claus with the same setup, don't let him kick you in the face. Um, you know, there's just these these great little bits as you go. It kind of bums me out that the mom was not the same mom. Yeah. Uh, and she could have turned it down. I found out that she's still alive. So there's a good chance that they can't, they they reached out and she turned down the movie. Um, yeah. Because they got everybody else back. Um, I do wish Randy was in the movie more than he was. And I thought that was kind of an out of the world, odd choice to have him be where he was in the movie. Um, <laughs> like it just seemed, I, it, to me, it seemed out of place. Like, um, okay, but whatever. It was fine. Um, yeah, good point. The, the book itself, the original novel, uh, talks – It's it, Ralphie is going home to his hometown, and he goes to uh, Schwartz's Flicks. It's yeah. Flicks Bar, right? Flicks Bar, yeah. Flicks Bar. He goes to Flicks Bar, and that's when they start reminiscing and all that stuff. And it kind of goes into, like, flashback mode and tells the actual Christmas story and all the other nonsense. So this felt like a really cool homage to the novel where he was going back – seeing his old buddies at the bar and it going from there. Um, but then there was homage. So I felt that that was a bit of a huge homage to the books or the novel. And then the homages to the original film were great. I loved the fact that Ralphie did all the, um, the narrations um, the way Gene Shepard did. I actually thought for a brief moment, um, and it's basically kind of lines up anyway, because Ralphie writes, spoiler alert, he writes the article about his dad for the newspaper, right? The eulogy that ends up yeah. being a newspaper. Um, I actually was thinking that um, because Gene Shepard, the author of the novel, wrote the book to try and redefine the great American novel, if you will. That was the whole intention of that book. And when you read it, it definitely feels that way. So I actually thought that the way the book was going to turn out is that Ralphie's character would become the, the real life Gene Shepard telling this story. And in a way that's what he ended up doing. So when I heard when, when they start the show and start the movie and he's being a writer, I wasn't expecting science fiction writer. I was expecting him to be like recreating the great American novel and going home is what sparks the inspiration to tell these stories about his family and stuff. It kind of turned out that way, if you will, but that's where, I, that's where I thought it was going. Again, I really recommend reading the book just because of how amazing, like, it, it's amazing. It's I don't want to say it's better than the movie because the Christmas story part of the novel is only about 20 pages of a 300-page book. <laughs> so yeah. uh, there's a lot more to it. The book is just great. Um yeah, I, I'm assuming some of those uh, some of that like Gene Shepard monologue from the first movie, like all those narr all, all like the narration parts of the movie, I feel like are probably lifted right out of the book. They are. And those every are one of every one of those nor narration yeah, narrations are, are pulled directly from the novel. And the person doing the narrations is Gene Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. From, and, from and the original. I feel like those are 
all those bits are written in such like a uh, humorous, but also really smart way. And I feel like you can tell just from the movie itself that the book is probably great, you know? So uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, With everything you've just said about this movie, it's really hard to add too much more. The one thing that I will say is there actually were a couple moments that I felt like I got a little bit choked up watching this movie, which was pretty cool. Um, Like, first of all, there's, there's the whole like, the death of his father sort of thing that they really um, played out. And that of course pulled at your heartstrings, but also like the moment when uh, Ralphie was finally offered like a uh, writing job by the newspaper, like that was such, that was such like a heartfelt moment. And then also, since you mentioned uh, Scott Farkas, like who Scott Farkas becomes and how his role plays out in the movie was like really, really cool. And it like, to me, like I can relate to it, like thinking about, growing up in a small town and you have those like bullies that you grow up with and stuff. But then at some point you literally, you literally grow up and you kind of gain a mutual express for, or mutual respect for your uh, peers. And, you know, you might help each other out in certain ways. And I thought the, the movie was like, really, it really delivered on the sort of like pulling at your heartstrings aspects, mm-hmm. even though, as I already mentioned, like there's no way it was ever going to live up to the original film. I do think it really did its job in certain ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Um, yeah, go watch Christmas Story Christmas. I would love to, I actually kind of want to watch them back to back just out of curiosity, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and well, man, if, you, this if is, you watch, <laughs> if you watch, uh, if you watch them back to back, then you just have to start over again. Right. <laughs> right after and then you're stuck in the christmas story loop forever you know what i mean you would be just like every christmas eve um, um TV, anyway. that's what tbs needs because i know tbs always does the 24-hour christmas story marathon but now that this movie's out tbs needs to license that and just do both of the movies just repeated back to back and it just becomes this morbius strip of christmas cheer if you will they don't need to license it because tbs is under the warner banner and warner brothers made the movie so (laughs) there you go (laughs) it's all good all right what else did you watch right okay so uh to keep the christmas mode going i watched the guardians of the galaxy christmas special yeah um (laughs) what (laughs) what do you think um this was so Drew, we talked briefly about this over um, Thanksgiving, and I kind of agree with something that you said off air where there's one bit of information in this, <laughs> this in this special that's really worthwhile. And otherwise, it's a Christmas spread special. And yeah. I totally yep. agree with that, where it's it's entertaining. It's cool to see your friends like I enjoyed seeing uh, Drax and Star-Lord and Rocket and all the characters. But really, the story's not super consequential. It's kind of a cool bit of Christmasness. Like, they we bring just wanna, we just want to give Star Lord a good Christmas, and we've heard all about this <laughs> Christmas thing. <laughs> let's let's cheer him up a bit, you know? Like Gamora's gone. Let's cheer up Star Lord. I look. It's there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's totally like grounds for a holiday special, right? But yeah. uh, it's a holiday so, special. <laughs> <laughs> if you see the if you see the trailer, like before watching this, I remember watching the trailer, and the trailer shows like maybe a couple jokes, some fun holiday bits, 
And the rest of the trailer is like, it just shows uh, Drax and Mantis chasing uh, Kevin Bacon around. And I remember thinking, I mean, there's got to be more to it than that. And then I watched it and that's, no, that's pretty much it. It's, you know, chasing (laughs) Kevin Bacon around the whole time. But uh, it's worth watching. I think Werewolf by Night is definitely the best MCU holiday special so far. But um, more Werewolf from Night for sure. Um, <laughs> the, but but it is there. It's on Disney Plus. It's Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy. As much as like I feel like I could rip it, I also feel like I might end up putting this on for Christmas next year and the year after that. Yeah, so this might come into your yeah. this might come into your classic Christmas watching category. Yeah. But there is that one piece of actual MCU lore that is probably going to be very important moving on to Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and as we move into Phase 5, because they stated that this was the last piece of Phase 4. So welcome, everybody. Phase 4 is officially over. Time to move into Phase 5. So. Yeah, yep. I mean, <laughs> in certain war- ways, I feel like Phase 4 still leaves me questioning what the main arc of it is. Like, it almost feels like a filler arc, but that's it. That's phase four. And we're moving on to uh, the next phase. So that is really exciting. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, did you watch anything else before I cover my few? I watched the first two episodes of Willow. OK. And that concludes my watching and reading. Okay. Um, I have not watched Willow yet. Oh, uh, OK. My day got away from me big time before we sat down to record. I didn't get a chance last night um, because I got like my week got crazy, fa- crazy, busy, crazy fast. Um, so Willow is on the tickler to make sure I'm caught up for next week when we sit down, but, um, without spoiling it for me, because I'm a huge Willow fan, what did you think? Just a brief, quick, what are you happy with what you saw? Like, I'm, I'm willing to take that as the review. You know what I mean? Like, no, absolutely. And I was, I was hoping you had seen, had watched it cause I was hoping to get into, into specifics, but I am actually happy with what I saw. I think it's, uh, so far, it's a really fun story. I feel like the direction they're going with with the story makes a lot of sense to me, especially because it's been, I mean, I don't even know, 30 some years or something since the original film. Like yeah. these characters are a lot older. You're dealing with a lot of younger characters and they had to somehow figure out a direction to go. And I feel like they've I think the plot makes a lot of sense. I think it's really cool. It has that sort of classic medieval fantasy adventuring group sort of vibe to it, which I'm liking. And um, yeah, so far, I really don't have any complaints. Um, It's kind of interesting because I see a lot of people online saying like that this series isn't very good, but I'm not seeing a lot of specifics on why. But so far, I'm pretty satisfied. (laughs) I feel like. What we're gonna say. There's an episode of the Goldbergs, and that takes place in the 80s, where yeah. um, Adam wants to go see the new Willow movie, and he it becomes this huge fight with his mom about getting to go see it, blah, 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 subplot nonsense. Anyway, Adam eventually gets to go see Willow, and the narration is like, and I finally, me and Dave Kim finally got to see Willow, and I'll tell you, we saw Willow. <laughs> and then you see the kids coming out of the theater... <laughs> And then they're like, yeah, so Willow. And he's like, yeah, Willow. He's like, Val Kilmer was in it. And he's like, yeah, he totally was in that movie. <laughs> like, 
Like, they didn't know what to say about the movie. They couldn't tell if they liked it or hated it or what. It was really funny to watch them try and talk through it. It was just a really cool, like, dialogue sequence. Like, yeah, he was totally in it. <laughs> um, That's hilarious. So when you said people are saying it's not that good, I just, I flashbacks to that. And Willow wasn't received, didn't have the best reception, but it's become what it is. Uh, Chris Claremont wrote a trilogy of books um, yes. that I wonder if were somewhat adapted. And I only say that because those books, what well, we're 30 plus, we're 30 some years away from Willow, where the books that Chris Claremont wrote took place 14 years after Willow. Um so they could have adapted a little bit and kind of just um, adjusted that storyline if they wanted to stick with it. And then their like work was a little half done, if you will. I have no idea. Um, and that, that was a big question I had for you, because I know you've read at least some of those books. And uh, I kind of wanted yeah. to know if they're adapting it or if this is something completely new. But I will um, let you know as soon as I get a chance to sit down. Yeah. Well, I guess I can uh, since we're keeping everything vague, though, I can really say like and I was going to kind of say, say this earlier is just there are bits I could nitpick. Like there are certain action scenes where the way things play out, I feel like isn't as good as it could be, but overall I do feel like this is pretty good so far. Like I'm enjoying it. It's entertaining. It's fun. You get to see all your old friends again. It's cool. <laughs> so great. great. Um, all right. My watching thing. So a uh, quick, funny story. Um, my brother-in-law stopped by and he was very, he quickly said, why haven't you signed up for Apple TV yet? In a very indignant kind of way. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Turns out he signed the family up for a family plan, Apple TV, and sent links to everybody. And for some reason, we didn't sign up because uh, my wife thought it was spam and deleted the link. <laughs> Nice. So he was like, why haven't you signed up? Oh, I, I set this all up for everybody and you guys haven't signed up yet. So that being said, we got our Apple TV signed up. So um, I watched Ted Lasso in its entirety, the two seasons that are there. Um, There's obviously more coming, but I just got to say <laughs> that this is the most wonderful show that exists. Um, This is a show that is it's funny and it's serious and it has all the feels in all the right places. And it, um, it makes you root for characters and it make you like every character and you care about every character and you laugh with every character and you cry with every character. And then like, and there's moments where you're just angry about stuff. And then there's moments where you're just like, Oh my God, I'm totally with you on that. And like, it's the most charming show. It's so absolutely wonderful. And every single episode is solid gold and i cannot say that about any show but this like every <laughs> single like there's a reason this show wins emmys there's a reason these actors are at the top of the game there are this show is solid gold man like there's i like it is it's so wonderful you need to see it if you have a way of seeing it you have to um so that's my review on ted lasso um, the only criticism nice. I ha the only criticism I have is there's a moment in the season finale of season two, which I didn't understand the motivation of a character's choice. And it seemed very, to me, out of left field. But I can be wrong. And we're going into a new season where I might get that motivation explored a little more. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I 
I can't argue. Anyway, um, I watched because I have uh, Apple TV now. I started the morning show uh, with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon behind the scene. Uh, the morning show is. OK, so we have the Today Show on NBC, right? Um, so it's like a morning talk show news show, right? The show, the morning show is about a show like that. So okay. the morning show is kind of like the today. It's like the fictional today show. And Jennifer Aniston and Reith Witherspoon are the anchors on the show. And they, so there's a lot of, it's them doing the show, but it's also all the behind the scenes scripted drama that takes place in the studio and all that stuff. Really fun show so far. I'm really enjoying it. It's a serious drama though. So there's not like really comedy to it. It's a very serious show and the topics they're covering, but it's really cool. Um, so I'm like a little bit into that. Um, I watched the very first episode of Wednesday on Netflix. Um, nice. It is great. It really is. And I can totally <laughs> see where they're going and what the show is bringing. I can't wait to watch more. Uh uh, Luis Guzman is the only thing that I thought was weird so far, um, but he's not in the he's not in the first episode very much. So they may really have only gotten the parents for certain things because the show really is about Wednesday. Uh, so I'll see how it plays out. And I know you're I have a feeling you're going to end up watching it, but it was fantastic. And uh, Jenna Ortega is great as uh, Wednesday Adams. Uh, and I didn't haven't seen Fester yet, so. Even though he bothered me in the trailer, I don't like, <laughs> look, I like Fred Armisen and I don't have a problem with him being fester. I just don't think his voice matches. So until I get to see it in real action outside of the trailer, I'll have a better opinion. Yeah. Uh, but check out Wednesday. It's great. The other thing I watched lastly, I saw the movie See How They Run, which is on HBO Max right now. Um, we are doing a specific list tonight called it's we're doing it a whodunit kind of a list. Uh, it was really interesting to watch this movie because this is an old school. It's new. It's very modern. It's like Adrian Brody's in it. And uh, uh, it's a big it's a fairly decent cast. But the reason I'm bringing it up is that it's a whodunit murder mystery. And nice. it's predicated. It's filmed and shot like an old school whodunit murder mystery. And it takes place in like that old school whodunit noir murder mystery type setup. So it's. um it's it very it's written that way and you're going to watch it and you're going to and you're going to roll with it. And you're going to be like, I really like you're going to try and figure it out. It's a great murder mystery. You can figure out what's going on. Uh, and it's predicated off some Agatha Christie stuff. It's really cool. Uh, and it's short. So no going in that if you got 90 minutes, it's a short one. So enjoy it. Uh, that is it for my watching category. That's awesome. Um, yeah. A lot of stuff that I actually want to watch, but haven't gotten a chance to, but see how they run. I actually didn't know anything about this, so I'll definitely have to check that out. It sounds yeah. really cool. If so. you want a good murder <laughs> mystery, it's, it's just a fun whodunit murder mystery. It was, it's, it's good. And I'll tell you this. Um, and I was watching it. With, we were watching it with some fr a friend and I pointed out, I said, you know, when I'm throwing this out there as a fan casting, I really think go look at Jim Lee's, uh, uh, go look at the Jim Lee artwork for Batman Hush and specifically look at the Joker. Okay. Take that artwork and then go watch, um, see how they run and look at Adrian Brody. And if you don't agree with me, then I just, for some reason, you don't <laughs> see it, but Adrian Brody needs to play the Joker. 
like needs to. He's a phenomenal actor, but I would love <laughs> to watch Adrian Brody like rock the Joker. I just think it would be so good. Um, I, I could see it. It's funny because I pulled up the while you were talking about it, I pulled up the see how they run IMDb page. Yeah. And uh, there's one of the <laughs> one of the images is like a profile shot of Adrian Brody. And just looking at that, I'm just going like, yeah, I can see that's he's got the Jim Lee Joker nose going on. and stuff Well, like that, and so. I and I this was a long, long, long time ago, like long before you and I had the podcast. I was in a conversation with someone. It was shortly after um, it was shortly before they announced Heath Ledger for the Dark Knight. And we were talking about who should play the next Joker if they ever did it again, because there was no word that the Joker was coming. And I was like, you know, I really think Adrian Brody would be a great Joker. And I remember saying that. And then here I am today still going, dude, Adrian Brody, let's do it. (laughs) But hey, we'll see how the cards lay out when this new DC universe we're moving in, which is a great segue to the news. Ready to talk some news? Yeah. Okay. cool. Um. (laughs) I'll talk about DC first and knock it out. Uh, there is, like I said, we got several stuff. Um, okay, not that yet because I, that's DC, but not yet. Um, okay, this is great. Um, so James Gunn has been talking on Twitter about some stuff. Um, and, you know, he I'm a kind of guy. I'm trying to I'm stumbling over my words a little bit here. I always like to say, and I always, I'm a big proponent of this. You have rumors that float around the internet, and I do my best to try and find direct quotes. I try to find the stories that um, I'm like 95% sure before we talk about them on the show. And I try and and, and I search search through tons of like trusted places that I know where to look for stuff that ends up being true. Um. And then you have outlets where people are very incorrect about things and they just let information fly. And it's meant to be clickbait to get you to look at it. And then you're reading an article about all the stuff you already know. And then there's one line of sentence, there's one sentence at the bottom. That's the actual thing that they were trying to get across. Um, There are rumors out there sometimes. And Star Wars is a great example where if it doesn't come directly from Lucasfilm, there's a good chance it's not true. And I try and hold true to that with everything so if it doesn't come from dc directly it's not true if it doesn't come directly from marvel's mouth it's not true so you gotta be careful where you look at on the internet and james gunn tweeted anyone who says they know anything about the future of the dcu is bullshitting because right now that's the only me and peter saffron there you which go. i which i love to hear because there was you know this rumor that affleck signed on to you know uh, multiple movies. There's rumor about this. There's rumor about that. They're re- they're restructuring the Flash. They're going to redo like, and in all of all that, you know, white noise that came through right away. James Dent Gunn comes out and says, "Anyone who says they know anything is a moron, and they're completely bullshitting. They don't know anything." It's Peter and I were the only ones that know anything, and I thought that was great that he said it because it just reinforces the point that I kind of bring across. And I try and just go, "Hey, look, check this out. You know, this sounds cool." <laughs> Well, it's, um, it's funny to put this into perspective because, first of all, that is a good thing to keep in mind. Like, if you don't hear it from an official source, it's probably not true. Like, this is the Internet. People are coming up with crazy theories all the time. But also, when you think about the timeline of things, like, I feel like it was, like, within a week or two of, like, 
James Gunn and uh, can't remember the other guy's name, but being like announced as being this sort of Kevin Feige figureheads over at DC. I feel like within a week or two of that, there was already these like bat Batman or I mean, sorry, uh, Ben Affleck rumors and stuff like that. And it's just kind of like, you really think like Ben Affleck's going to be signing on to stuff like that quickly after <laughs> like making this announcement that things are being retooled and stuff. And it's just kind of funny, like how fast these rumors have started to fly, if that makes sense. So I don't know. Yeah. You're making me more of a skeptic, I guess, on a lot of stuff. Well, I want to be skeptical skeptical until news is actually dropped. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be and I want to be optimistically skeptical because we want this to be amazing. We want the DCU to be everything we hoped it would be. But we got to be realistic at the same time and we got to let the guys work. And we can't like and I think that's part of the reason. So like. When people get angry at, like, Star Wars universe and they're pissed off about, like, movie choices or characters or casting or all that stuff. And then what happens is is that you look back and you're like, well, you guys set yourself up for the disappointment. Mm-hmm. When you really break it down. Like, I went in with the expectations of, hey, the first one was good. Let's go watch the next one. You know, I'm looking at – and, yeah, I can argue that I'm looking at story, but I hang on every line of dialogue – and to explain away anything that like, like there's, it's all there a lot of times. And, you know, when people complain about stuff, you're like, what do you not like about this? You know? So I think we got to be careful. And in a world where DC is trying to pick up the pieces, let these guys work, let them tell us what they're doing and let's not speculate too much because it's going to ruin our own speculations. So any rate, that being yeah. said, James Gunn and Peter Saffron have revealed that they will be, um, revealing their long-term DC plans to Warner Brothers Discovery in the next two months. Okay, so they will be revealing to the studio what the plan is by mid-January, early February, according to the timeline, because I found this story on November 18th, so as long as that was close enough time, they should be hearing sometime after the new year what the plan is. On top of that, that means we're getting closer to finding out what the plan is. Okay, they might not reveal it to us. They might reveal it to the studio and then we got to wait till Comic-Con to find out. But hey, we got news coming is the point. Um, James Gunn has teased. uh, So he has confirmed that the DCU will be more connected across film, TV and animation moving forward. And he wants to connect video games as well. Um, The video games, I think if they are connected, it's probably going to be subtle. And I say that because, yes, lots of people play video games, but the average moviegoer does not. And you got to be careful of like, well, why don't where did I learn that piece of information? Oh, you had to play this game that could turn people off. So I think they're smart enough to know that. But if they put a game in canon and as a player, as a person who likes to play video games, I could be like, well, hey, this is canon. I got to go check this out. I guess it depends on how deep you immerse yourself, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome. That's an awesome announcement, but it is like it there. A lot of the tie ins will be subtle because it, in this in a certain way, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So you kind of have to subtly have everything tied in together. So certain things can stand on their own. And if something flops, you can't be beholden to that for future movies and pieces of entertainment. But if everything plays out really well, I think that's an awesome announcement just overall. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And then James Gunn also, we talked about Crisis and Infinite Earths being a big story. And um, how, like, because he said, like, the biggest story we could tell. And I'm like, well, it's got to be Crisis and Infinite Earths. There's no way you're not going to do that with with Marvel doing, like, Endgame and Secret Wars and stuff. Um, but he did tease, there was a Twitter post that he released that it didn't say much, but it did have an image from the comic book Kingdom Come which had the internet going, James Gunn's teasing Kingdom Come. Well, you know what? If James Gunn wants to tease Kingdom Come, that's awesome. And I'm totally down for Kingdom Come. And it would be great because you're dealing with an older Batman, an older Superman, an older Wonder Woman, so on and so on. So if you're going to have Affleck come back for more movies, that could be kind of cool if he plays that old Bruce Wayne from Kingdom Come or they bring Michael Keaton back specifically for that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you're going to do that, why not? That'd be amazing. Um so I don't know. It's really cool stuff coming from DC right now. Uh, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's jump over to the Marvel side of things for a minute. Marvel and Disney. We got a lot cooking over there too. Um, yeah, pretty much all this. So here's a real quick one. Uh, Mandalorian uh, season three has been pushed a little bit. It's premiering on March first on Disney Plus. So they said February. I don't mind waiting an extra week. Give it to me March 1st. That's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Brief, brief, quick news there. So uh, the next one is Thor. Chris Hemsworth says the next Thor movie could be the character's finale. Um, If you didn't know, uh, Chris Hemsworth is on a show on on Netflix, on Disney Plus called Limitless. And um, he... The show is really interesting in terms of him, like, pushing his limits and, you know, his health and looking into all this stuff. And he had some, like, health experts talk to him about, you know, improving himself and that kind of stuff. And he found out that he is in the high-risk category for possible future Alzheimer's. Yes, yeah, I've, I've heard about this. And I have a feeling that scared him a little bit because he said he wants to take a break from acting. And he is under contractual obligation with Marvel to do Thor and Avengers and stuff like that. So we're going to see him again, but he wants to take a break from acting and I don't blame him. And he wants to like live his life and kind of enjoy it because I think hearing that news, I think scared him a little bit when you read through the articles and stuff and I don't blame him. And it's, it's a horrible thing to like find out that you have this high possibility of having specifically because of your genetics. Um, So, we can see what happens, but uh, Chris Hemsworth, um, he said the actor told Vanity Fair that another Thor film would probably have to close the book and bring Thor's journey to a finale. So we may be saying goodbye to Thor. Hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, true that. <laughs> yeah. OK, Avatar. Let's talk about Avatar. I have my Avatar ticket. Um, I'm excited to have my Avatar ticket. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, James Cameron specifically says to use the bathroom during Avatar 2 because you'll most likely be seeing it again. Don't sit there and hold it. Oh, come on. (laughs) Um, Avatar, (laughs) Avatar, the way of waters, three hour and 10 minute long runtime. As I was wondering uh, how to time a bathroom break. But director James Cameron says audiences go anytime they want and can see the scene they missed when they come see it again. (laughs) That's really funny. Um, Which made me laugh because, of course, why not? However, what I found interesting was this is crazy. 
James Cameron, in an interview with GQ magazine, he told GQ that the way of the way of the way of water was very effing expensive to make and revealed that the long awaited sequel would need to rank highly at the global box office charts just to break even. And when I say it has to break high, it has to be either the third or fourth highest grossing film ever to actually make (laughs) profit because of how much money was spent. (laughs) Um, All I can say to that is I hope you make it. Talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Um, all right. Um, quick news here. Bob Chapik exits Disney as the CEO, effective immediately. This came out November 20th. Uh, November 20th, uh, right before Thanksgiving, Bob Chapik exits Disney, effective immediately. Bob Iger coming out of retirement, returning as Disney's CEO. Yes. This is really good. Iger's done a lot. Iger secured the Pixar deal. They secured the Marvel deal. They secured the Disney deal. And he secured the Fox deal. That's huge, right? Did a lot mm-hmm. of good stuff. Here's the catch. There's a big, big rumor right now that Iger is coming in. He's, his contract as CEO right now out of retirement is a two-year contract. There's a giant rumor that the reason he's coming into contract is because, and I really shouldn't say this on the show, but I'm going to anyway, because it's, again, it's a rumor and it's floating around the internet, that he wants to sell the entire company of Disney to Apple. That just seems so crazy to me. Yes, it does. And (laughs) I really hope it doesn't happen. I want Disney to remain Disney. (laughs) Because if that happens, Apple's then going to own Disney and Pixar again and Star Wars and Marvel and The Simpsons and Family Guy. And like all like it's just I just I can't wrap my head around it. I I feel like that just that doesn't. It can't be a thing, (laughs) but it would also make Bob Iger the last and only CEO of the Disney Corporation. Um, (laughs) I I guess if that's what he wants his legacy to be, I just think. It's so crazy. I hope it's not I, true. I, I really don't. It's it's just crazy to me because I remember. So there's this website. I can't remember what it is, but it's this fake timeline for future events. And the whole timeline is about like this future history of Disney and all the different movies they come out with and the different steps they take. And as you read through this timeline and it's it's you can scroll down this thing for a long time, like this is super (laughs) intricately put together. But as you scroll through it, it ends up becoming this dystopian apocalyptic future where Disney has like taken over the world. And there's these like (laughs) police state esque Mickey Mouse robots patrolling the streets and attacking people. And it's it gets really like dystopian, futuristic sci fi stuff. But the reason I bring that up is Disney has for so long been the company that everybody's looked at as they're going to take over the world. Like they're going to take over the entertainment industry and the world, like sell them DC. Why not? They already have everything else. Like they're the company that everybody thought was going to be the big monopoly. And the idea of Disney being sold to another company is just, it's so weird. And it's so like, I don't know, world bending. Like it's, it's mind blowing to me. So I don't really know what even to make of this. And, uh, 
it makes me wonder if it's actually going to happen or if it's a rumor or yeah, I don't yes. know. I don't know where we sit with this. Right again, <laughs> again, rumor, big rumor. So absolutely take it, grain, take it with a grain of salt right now. Bob Iger stepping in. He's going to clean some house because Chapek was kind of not doing the best work over there. So let's see what happens. Let's not freak out yet. Um, all right. I got one major story to talk about, but we're going to save it because it's one of the trailers that dropped today. So first, let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, I think. <laughs> so this is a trailer I'm that assuming, I think... I'm assuming this is the trailer that was released at Comic-Con to the people who attended Comic-Con. Oh, good call. Yeah, I didn't okay. even I didn't even think of, even think of it as far as that um, timeline goes, but... I thought that this is a trailer that towards the beginning, it started with kind of this ridiculous scene of the guardians starting what I think was going to lead to a crazy dodgeball match with like these unsuspecting suburban (laughs) aliens living on this planet that they land on. And I thought that was hilarious. And then I felt like the trailer got into kind of more of a montage of just a lot of familiar faces, shots of familiar faces, as well as shots of just cool stuff that's going to happen that I can't necessarily make sense of yet, if that makes sense. So to me, it was like the vibe was there. It looked hilarious. My big takeaway was really that like impending hilarious dodgeball match from the beginning of the trailer. But I don't know if you have any more specific thoughts about this one, Drew. Well, my big takeaway is they talked to Comic-Con, especially like Kevin Smith pointed out that he found it to be very uh, tear jerky and it had a sadder tone to it. (laughs) And um, I totally saw what he was talking about. There is definitely some like impending doom sadness to this movie. Um, seeing the origin of Rocket, which I think that's going to play a heavy role in what's going on. Yeah, good call. And um, yes, the movie looks funny. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, and it looks like you know we're seeing our friends, and we know we're like we're getting Guardians of the Galaxy, but it also looks like it has a really sad tone. We got a first glimpse at Adam Warlock. Um, I think that was Kang, to be completely honest, which is kind of cool because we're going to see him in Ant-Man and then Kang's going to be supposed to become the new Thanos, if you will. But I'm not 100 percent sure if that's who that was. Uh, the But ultimately, the movie looks cool. Obviously, I'm down, but it definitely looks like a sadder one. They did say it's the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So if we see them again, it'll be in like crossovers. But this is the final standalone one. And if they do any others, it won't be with James Gunn because he's off doing DC stuff now, you know? Yeah, um, I think, um, well, everything you said is, is like, I agree with. And like, I, uh, the reason I laughed is because, um, when you said the thing about Kevin Smith, there is part of me going like, well, Kevin Smith thinks everything's tear jerky now <laughs> nowadays, but I do get like what you're saying. Like there were those like heartfelt hints in the trailer and, um, I guess like just what you're saying, like this is potentially most likely like the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which is actually really sad to think about. So um, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, you're fine. Um, Well, what do you think of the Transformers trailer? (laughs) This was a uh, Transformers trailer. (laughs) It, it, It was a Transformers trailer. Optimus was in it. He was totally in it. (laughs) <laughs> no, absolutely. It it looked cool. There was a lot of cool bits of action. My favorite part of this trailer is I felt like 
design wise, I feel like the Transformers look a lot more similar to what we got in Bumblebee compared to the other Transformers movies, because they have a little bit more of a 80s throwback, like blocky design to them, which I think looks really good, but it's also really easy to visually understand on the screen. Um, I felt like some of the early Michael Bay Transformers movies, like some of those scenes, there's so many moving parts. It's, it's hard to make sense of what you're looking at, you know? And I felt like Bumblebee, if you watch that movie, like they struck the perfect balance with those robot designs and they all looked like the old eighties action figures to an extent. So that was awesome as well. So that was my big like happy takeaway of the trailer. The one piece that's making me kind of puzzled though, is we have like essentially like beast wars characters coming into the transformers movies. And from what I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but the beast wars characters looked like real animals until they transformed into their robot form. Yeah. Right. Cartoon they did. Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of what I wish we got. Like, I feel like the big gorilla guy, instead of looking like a gorilla robot, like, no, he's he should look like King Kong. And then he transforms into a robot and ends up being cooler. And this is something that I didn't really think about until you saw that gorilla character transform. And I was like, okay, so you have a gorilla robot who transforms into a more humanoid shaped robot. And I wasn't really sure what that would necessarily accomplish. <laughs> so that's why I was sure. that was the, that was the moment where I was like, oh, no, there's some in the cartoon. They looked like real animals. So that's the that's the big piece that's making me scratch my head. <laughs> oh, I totally understand what you're saying. And I remember that. But I also like this is that thing where I was like looking at the adaptation of page to screen where like that was a cartoon from however long ago. And I thought as a gorilla, even though he was a robot, he looked pretty good. Like he looked really cool. Um, you didn't get a real good glimpse of the cheetah or the bird, but I just thought it looked good. So that's uh, fair enough. And I guess if you're living in the wilderness, like the animals probably weren't going to be able to distinguish him from a real gorilla. Um, unless like, yeah, he, was he, trying smells to... like a, he smells like a machine and his heart <laughs> like a rock, like a machine. Is. <laughs> well, uh, you never know. He might have like, um, little spouts that uh, sure. spray out like gorilla-esque pheromones or something. We we don't know we have, what we kind know. of uh, technology these te- Transformers have, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't know. Um, okay, this is the controversial one. Let's talk about Mario Brothers. Um, what what did you think of the Mario trailer? This is the full trailer, uh, so it's not the teaser. This is the full trailer. It gives you a really good look. Um, what did you think? I haven't talked to anybody about this trailer or really followed it online, so oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's controversial about it. I actually I thought it looked pretty good. I, like how about I, this? I'm kind of right there as I was with the first trailer. So I don't think this. I think there's one controversial point in this, but this is my take on this. First off, if you're gonna make a Mario Brothers movie, there is no way they could have done it any better than what that trailer shows off. It is so, like, they are so representing that property I, in, a, in a way I've never seen a film represent a property before. Like, right. it looks like they have everything covered, literally from the fact that it looks like there's legit side-scrolling levels. In the, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, like, I was like, holy cow, are they actually doing this? 
and then they have the Mario Kart sequence. You see Rainbow Road. You see the little like ticking time bomb guys. You see the box, like the the uh, checkmark boxes that he's clearly gonna have to hit and get a mushroom from. Like it's nuts, dude. This looks so good, so well represented. This is that thing where I always like to say that Batman the Animated Series is the best representation of the character that ever will exist. Yeah. This looks like that for Mario. And I know yeah, Mario is meant to be a video game, but if you're going to put it into this medium, this is the best representation you're going to get. The controversial part is Chris Pratt's voice. <laughs> and what's interesting about it is in the trailer, I didn't think we got enough to judge. But... Chris Pratt kept saying, you haven't heard what I'm doing yet. I think it's pretty good and it's special. And the directors backed him up going, when you finally hear Chris Pratt's voice, you're going to back him up. This is me enjoying voice actors. And I always back up the voice actors. And sometimes I wonder why we don't get certain voice actors to do certain things when they jump ahead and just get a celebrity name. Yes, Chris Pratt probably sells, but I think Mario sells himself. What's interesting is Chris Pratt's Mario voice, aside from a couple key phrases that are pulled straight from the game, like you have to say this because Mario would. Yeah. It sounds like Chris Pratt. There's a couple key things, but otherwise it sounds like Chris Pratt. So that's my only that's my (laughs) only problem because people are complaining. So this was this was the big uh, controversy with the first trailer, though. And you did mention like Chris Pratt did say, like, you guys haven't really heard what I was doing with this yet. Yeah. My thing is, and I still think this, I think Chris Pratt sounds like his voice has like a subtle he it kind of has like a subtle New York accent with like a little bit of a Italian dialect mixed in, you know, where he says, you know, he has that, sure. It's a me thing. And, and like, it's a me Mario, like that sort of, uh, you know, little bits of like Italian dialect in there to me. Like, I can't imagine, like, if you really think about it, think of the Mario 64 voice, the like extremely high pitched stereotypical Italian voice. Like I can't imagine them doing a movie like that like i can't imagine that being the movie that feels like it's so like it's such a stereotype and i feel like it just wouldn't be like tasteful and like i feel like the grass is always greener but i actually like the subtlety and believability of chris pratt's uh voice acting you know like he sounds like a blue collar plumber dude you know he doesn't sound like this cartoon stereotype you know and like i'm like i'm sorry i i think i'm gonna be a chris pratt apologist for this movie because i do think it looks really good and i do think when you actually think about it i do think they're making a smarter choice with going with a little bit more subtle of a voice in that way like it just feels a lot more tasteful to me and i don't know how you think about that drew i feel like you're not much of a hater of chris pratt in this movie at this point but um it's just it's just interesting to me, but I just can't imagine personally them actually having that Mario 64, like super high pitched voice through the whole thing. So, <laughs> so that's I am, where I'm sitting with that. I am 100 percent with you on every <laughs> single thing you said. Like, awesome. I really am. <laughs> My thing is that. Uh, I just. I just feel like it says it sounds like Chris Pratt. That's my issue. And that's it, it's. 
kind of I just feel like a little contradictory to what they were kind of promising. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Fair enough. And I think it's kind of the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power Power problem where like that show marketed its budget so much that we went to watch that show ready to find any flaw in the special effects, you know, of that show. And I feel like this is kind of the same case. Like they yep. probably should have just not commented at all on the Chris Pratt voice. Like they yep. probably shouldn't have been drumming up like, Oh, you're going to love it. Love it. They Trust shouldn't us, have said it, you know, $1 so. billion dollars because we all <laughs> judge too quickly. Absolutely. Um, but look, the movie looks really good. Like it, I'm definitely buying a ticket to this movie. You know, one I mean? thing that, yeah, one oh. thing that I do, th- that I did think was like super clever, which uh, you mentioned briefly, but it does look like they have side scrolling episodes in the movie. And I remember seeing that part of the trailer and being like, well, I didn't re- I didn't think they were going to literally like one for <laughs> one, like translate a side scrolling part. But then I thought about it and I was like, oh, no, I think that's part of a training montage. Like, I think Mario's well, going through a side-scrolling level, and I got the vibe that it, he's training for something bigger. And I was like, that's such a clever way for them to take that side-scrolling level visual language and bring it into that this film. So I thought that was really clever, if I'm right in this case. Hey, whether he is or not, whether you're right or wrong, the fact that they put it in is just like, it's kind of like when you're like, what scale are we doing this on? Oh, one-to-one. We're doing it legit. Like, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, we're doing it legit. It's it's Mario. It's got to be Mario and it's got to be Mario. Everyone loves and there's no way to do it any other way. So I'm totally buying a ticket to this movie. I can't wait to see it. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's talk about the movie. I really can't wait to see Indiana Jones. And then we seriously got to get to the list because we're running long. Um, so well, that's. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What did you say? I was going to say that's good because I don't have a lot to say about this trailer. And I think you're going to get a lot more into specifics about this just because like i know how hardcore of a indiana jones fan you are drew but what do you think to to me this looks awesome this looks like indiana jones and i don't know how to say much more like everything tonally i thought it sounded great like it had the right level of epicness um it had that right level of um i don't know the right word but that sort of like jovial subtle like like cheesiness that we all want that just makes you feel like you're going on an adventure, but it just felt like such a proper continuation of Indiana Jones that I personally think this looks awesome. It looks action packed. It's, it just looks to me, it looks great. And I don't know if you have nitpicks, but to me, it looked perfect. Um, One thing, one other thing I'll say, which really surprised me, and I don't know if there was de-aging technology, but Harrison Ford looked great in this trailer like he looked Mm -hmm. in my opinion better than he did in kingdom of the crystal skull or even force awakens so i don't know there might be de-aging going on or he's just in really good shape i don't know (laughs) so right before this trailer dropped about a week before the trailer dropped first off the movie is titled indiana jones and the dial of destiny and i think the title is awesome oh so that's (laughs) that's where i thought you were I thought you were referencing the pick of Destiny, Tenacious D, at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, man. Like, it's awesome. Like, I just love the title. It's so cool. And I I had a whole other opening joke plan, and then I saw the trailer and went, nope. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, But no, June 30th, I can't wait. Um, The... About a week or so ago, like, right before the holiday dropped, um, there was a Vanity Fair article that hit. 
Um, and they talked about how Indiana Jones 5 or Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny is set in 1969. Indiana Jones will be facing Nazis during the time of the space race. Uh, what Crazy. I what I thought was really interesting is Nazis are clearly the classic Indiana Jones villain, right? But what if, and this is my brain, I don't know, this is all speculation on my part, but think about in the Marvel Universe how Hydra became like the oh, yes, shadow yes. government, and then you found out Hydra was S.H.I.E.L.D. What if Nazis, like even though the Nazi party ended, they continued to exist, and then now they're resurfaced because Indiana Jones uncovers something, and then he's battling Nazis again. Awesome, right? <laughs> this sounds cool. Um, Absolutely. So I'll, I'll, I'll chime in really quick. Uh, you can Google Operation Paperclip. Uh, literally during the space race, uh, the like NASA recruited uh, some of Germany's best um, rocket scientists for from World War Two to come work for them. So like literally like we did take Nazi scientists to come work on great. our rockets. <laughs> so And that's great. like and it's one of those things where these people might have just been like doing their job, like not necessarily like truly believed in the Nazi way. But it's interesting that Indiana Jones seems to like be kind of zeroing in on that weird, creepy bit of history and maybe bringing in some crazy like conspiracy theory based plot out of this that I'm really excited about. But when you think about it, it is pretty close to that Captain America Winter Soldier, like Hydra level, uh, you know, covert, deep government level yeah. stuff, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> right. Now, the article in Vanity Fair continues to go on. And this is where and I was going to talk about this last week and we decided to not. And it was kind of cool because the trailer drops. So I feel like everything they talk about in the article is represented in the trailer. So this isn't really spoiler territory. OK, um, I guess the movie opens. This is the part that's a little spoilery. So if you don't want to listen, sorry. Skip ahead a couple minutes. But I guess the movie opens with a scene that takes place in 1944. And they use some de-aging um, at a castle in uh, Germany uh, where Indiana Jones is up against a group of Nazis. And they use some de-aging stuff to go back to that uh, Last Crusade look for that okay. time period. And then after that sequence, they jump ahead to 1969. And then you yeah. pick up Indy's adventures. So it's whatever happened at that castle is connected and so on and so on. Right. Um, so. The there is some de-aging involved, which is kind of cool because there is a shot that looks like it's the castle mentioned in the article. And it looks like a shot of him who looks just like he did from Raiders. Uh, sorry, from the last crusade. And then you see some shots of him, obviously older because he's older. And then. The idea, like, just watching it, I was like, everything this article talked about, I feel like it was represented enough in the trailer that I didn't feel like the article spoiled anything for me. Uh, maybe just the trailer, but I was like, oh my god, that looks great. And they said that there's their de-aging tech, the, the eight, it's going to probably be called aging tech because they can age up, because Disney can now age, using ILM's tech that they made, can go either direction, older or younger. <laughs> um, right <laughs> which is awesome so i think we're gonna get to see we're gonna get to see a little bit of a mix there's one shot in the trailer that i keep reminding to myself this is early footage the movie's not done they still have post work to do the movie doesn't come out till june there's one shot 
where I think the CG on Indy's face is horrible. Like it's okay. very, it's like old school Matrix CG. Like he doesn't look like a person. Um, but again, the movie has time to fix itself, and Absolutely. it's such a quick blink if you miss it moment. In the trailer, I don't think most people caught it. Um, but it just looks great, man. I'm just so excited to get back with Indiana Jones. Absolutely. And um, just to like, when did uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull take place? Uh, It was in the 50s. Okay, okay. so this is technically after that. I just kind of wanted to have that, uh, you know, time mark to know how to think about the movie. Because, yeah, yeah, definitely there was moments where I don't know if it was de-aging, but I was just like, Harrison Ford looks really great for his age, <laughs> so it could be yeah. a mix of uh, the two. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark takes place early World War II. Temple of Doom takes place one year before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Temple of Doom is technically the very first prequel. And then Last Crusade takes place near the end of World War II. Right. And then Crystal Skull takes place in the 50s at the start of technically the Cold War, if you will, because the Soviets are involved. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, because of the atom bomb and all that stuff. So, like, you're in the early Cold War stages of the FBI and the secrecy and all that stuff. And then this is going to be 1969. So you're dealing with the space race. Uh, you're dealing with, I doubt they'll cover it. It's probably going to be mostly space race stuff. But um, that's also the year of the Manson murders. Um, and, you know, there's probably going to be some Beatles reference and stuff like that. So just know that that stuff's coming. <laughs> Good <awesome>. call. <laughs> Uh, Kennedy Kennedy would be president at this time. Um, the uh, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, sorry, I was drawing a complete blank there. Sorry about that. It'll probably come to me after the show. But um, well, there's I can't a- wait. oh oh, that's what it was. In the trailer, Indiana Jones says that I loved it. It was kind of like that Force Awakens moment in the trailer where he's like, "It's all true." The Jedi, the Force, yeah. <laughs> Like that moment in the trailer, he says, there's many things I've seen in my like I don't believe in magic, but there's many things in my life that I've seen that I can't explain. And I'm just like, yeah, that's a specific reference to Crystal Skull, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, uh, I mean, anyway. you also have to remember him drinking from the Holy Grail and stuff. Right. Like I that. And, uh... He's like, I can't explain anything, but cup of Jesus Christ. You know, yeah, um, it makes me want to watch Indiana Jones right now. So anyway, we've been talking way longer. I cannot <laughs> wait to watch the Indiana Jones movie. Um, welcome back, everybody. So anyway, it is time to talk about the list um, because we were talking everyone's ear off and we don't need to be too long. So let's talk about tonight's list, shall we, Peter? Yeah, let's go. All forward. right. Um, let's roll the thing. For the top five. All right, Peter. This was my pick, right? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> this is a. I thought it'd be fun to talk about who done it murder mysteries. So um, I don't know. Did you find this list a pain in the butt to make? You had next week. It was a little hard. Okay. <laughs> Which I guess I'll expound on that now. So I really have come to love like mystery stuff as a genre, like a lot. 
But it's one of those things where this is like a really recent fondness of mine. Like growing up, I was never that big into mystery stories because I was always just so focused on like sci-fi, action, fantasy, like just really action-packed stuff. And uh, in recent years, I do find myself really wanting to watch and read more like mysterious things. Like I've gotten really into like a lot of the uh, Harlan Corbin uh, Netflix shows and a lot of like more recent like movies and some random true crime stuff. And it's one of those things where I don't feel like I have this wealth of mystery stories that I've loved my whole life. It was kind of like I had a lot of random bits that I had to piece together. And that was the that was the challenge for me with this uh, this specific list. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> right. On. Um, OK, well. Uh, what it's my I have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you. Um, I didn't find this list too difficult, but I also. You know, um. I also was like had a couple of them already like pinned down for discussing. Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple of these I've talked about before, so I can have quick reviews on them. But uh, did you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, yeah, I do have two, even though I said the list was a little hard, but I do have two honorable mentions. Um, and then uh, specifically, I don't know if you mentioned this is like specifically whodunit mysteries, which I feel like there's a template there that we might I don't know if we'll get into any arguments, but that there is a discussion what makes something a whodunit mystery, <laughs> essentially. I but think you're um, only asking one question: who did it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's definitely tropes within that subgenre, but we can get into that as we go on. But uh, yeah, both of my honorable mentions, I feel like, are they're both entertainment properties that I feel like really fit the mold, but they don't because I think because of a technicality, they don't count. And uh, the first one I wanted to go with is I actually went with The Sinner, the uh, Netflix series, which uh, we were doing this. This is all sorts of media, right? Not just movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I went with The Sinner. Um, okay, I was typing down Sinner on the spreadsheet. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I would specifically say season one, but in my opinion, the first two seasons are really good. And these definitely follow that sort of like, really intense, really graphic and adult at moments, but very cool uh, mystery stories. And uh, the series stars uh, Bill Pullman, who's this sort of like older, disgruntled um, detective. And uh, no, it's just really, really interesting storytelling um, from the first two seasons of the show. The reason the reason the show doesn't fit the mold is because in both of those seasons where the later seasons, I actually didn't like too much. That's not why I'm including or that's why I'm not including them. But in both of those seasons, um, they're more of a why done it where it starts out and you see exactly what the crime is. And then you have to figure out why. And uh, in many cases, it's like how the person committing the crime is actually innocent or was actually it was a matter of like self-defense or something like that, but it is like more of a why done it than a who done it. So that's why it's an honorable mention for me. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, well, my first honorable mention is a few good men. Awesome. Um, I feel like it would be, I've talked about this movie a ton. I absolutely love this movie. Um, but I don't, the reason it makes an honorable mention is because I, it's weird to have this as a few as a who done it because technically, you know, 
the whole movie. Like you find out at the beginning of the movie who did it. Um, but it's the issue of why and the order they were given <laughs> and all that stuff. So I guess it comes down to more of the why. I didn't feel like it fit the mold, but it's a great murder mystery. And then the payoff's great in the end. But that's why it makes an honorable mention because it's kind of a cheat. Uh, so, yeah. It, it's cool to see. This one's a cool choice because, like, not only is it a great movie, but uh, it's cool to see a lot of the uh, details of what happened play out in a uh, – courtroom setting as opposed to i feel like the stereotypical scary stereotypical whodunit murder mystery is like everybody's locked in some mansion there's like a finite group of people and you have to go through and figure out who did it and it's cool to have the courtroom version of that so uh definitely a great call we've talked about that this movie a lot but uh yeah good call with that one yeah yeah all right what's your next one i will mention so <laughs> specifically because this one is also a why done it I actually went with Knives Out because this is a movie yeah. where you see who did it very early on. And then you have to watch the movie to see why. And then also to see how all the other characters play off of that. But um, Knives Out, it, it I feel like it had to make my list because besides it not fitting the mold because it's more of a why done it. It has so many of those classic whodunit murder mystery tropes from the setting to the cast of characters to the uh, main detective, like everything feels just so like classic whodunit. It just didn't fit that mold from like a story format standpoint. And uh, I can't say Knives Out is like one of my favorite uh, just mystery stories mm -hmm. from the last so many years. Like it's so awesome. So yeah, and then we got Glass Onion coming. I totally agree with you. Knives Out's fantastic, and it gave us Ana de Armas, and then we get to see her career, like, blossom and go, and it just... So the big cast, let's do it again. I, I can't wait for Glass Onion, too, so that'll be really cool um, to finally get to watch that one. Um, all right, so the next one is, uh, for me, this actually is a play, a stage performance, uh, called... Uh, it's Agatha Christie's Mousetrap. Um this is a this is a great great play. This is one of those. This is a classic whodunit in the sense that a bunch of people get trapped in the cabin a cabin during a snowstorm. Someone gets murdered, and now it turns out to who killed the guy. Um, and it's it's a really great one. This is a show that I've actually gotten to do and perform. It's great. I love it. Uh, and if you watch the movie, uh, see how they run. It's about the behind the scenes of a murder that takes place backstage of the mousetrap. So, uh, yeah, uh, good stuff. Check it out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, check out, see how they run for sure. Because unfortunately, I think they give away the ending of the mousetrap. To be honest, while you watch the movie, but so so the mousetrap is a play I've seen. I think I've seen it like once or twice. Like I think I might have seen it twice. Um, and I don't remember a lot of the story beats, so this would be a fun one to uh, revisit, but definitely a good call. And I think this is one of the longest running. Um, I want to say it's like one it of is. the longest running plays in England or something. And uh, so I think it's funny that See How They Run had that sort of uh, had this as part of the story, because I feel like there's a lot of historical just uh, weight on this specific story. So sure. OK, well, what's your first actual pick of the night? Yeah, so I can keep this short because I actually went with A Few Good Men. <laughs> so to Sweet. be honest, I haven't watched this in a while and I didn't remember that uh, you find out who did it like super early on. Early on so uh, that's why it made my list. But I think it was 
if I remember correctly, you you know who did it, but you didn't know who was behind everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, no, this is this is an amazing film. I think it's one of the best. I never really thought of it as a mystery, but I guess it does have those elements. I always thought of it as like one of the greatest like courtroom sort of drama movies that's ever been made. <laughs> so that's kind of where it sits with me. <laughs> right. Um. All right. Well, a few good men again. Um. All right. So in that again, I'll keep this short. This is one of my all time favorite whodunit mysteries is scream we matched for this one okay we did all right yes you brought it back to me <laughs> um yeah so scream love this movie we've talked about it several times before everyone should see it it should i feel like this is the perfect um i want to watch a horror movie i really want a mystery one or like you know this is the one i recommend when i hear people say they've never watched a horror movie before or my kid wants to watch his first horror movie this is like a big recommendation in my book so this is this is one that I I got excited about while putting my list together because I did not. This one I didn't think of right away. And as I was putting my list together, I thought of Scream and I was like, oh, no, that totally makes my list. And I was kind of hoping you were would forget about this, Drew. <laughs> but oh, Scream, I think it does have such a level of like, well, who's the killer? Who's doing all this? Like, which one of these casts of characters is behind this? And they really, really play that up in this movie. So it just has like you can't deny that this is a whodunit mystery um the whole series is but even like the first scary movie plays up those elements so much that i feel like if somebody wanted to put scary movie one as one of their favorite whodunits i still think it would count because it <laughs> takes those scream whodunit moments and plays them up so much so uh yeah awesome <laughs> yeah all right um well shoot that goes back to me so what am i going to talk about now um, we're going to talk about the movie Basic. Um, this is a movie. Um, have you seen this? I I don't believe so. I think you've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, I've talked about it before. Basic is basically it's a military movie about some guys uh, basic training. They get sent out for a live fire survival test out in the jungle and there's a hurricane coming in. And the, and someone's like, we should scrub the test or scrub the exercise. And he's like, no, because, you know, if you're out there and this shit happens, you got to deal with it. Right. So they go out there anyway. Samuel Jackson's the like um, he's like the drill sergeant, if you will. The movie opens with them going to pick the guys up after the storm. And two guys are like running out of the jungle, like shooting at each other. And one of them is carrying one guy and. um something's clearly happened and everyone's dead. Samuel Jackson's dead. What's going on. And now it's an interrogation movie of what happened out there. Who killed the, who killed Samuel Jackson? Like what's going on. And the movie is, uh, it's a really good who did it interrogation kind of murder mystery. Um, and you get to see a lot of flashbacks with what happened in the jungle and they cut back and then you learn like there's a lot more, there's a bit of a conspiracy that was going on. Um, so check this movie out. It's really, really cool. Uh, really good cast, too. Samuel Jackson, John Travolta, Tim Daly, uh, Giovanna Ribisi, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rosalind Sanchez. Uh, this is, it's a it's a big cast. So check it out. It's really good. Uh, nice. But yeah, check out Basic if you get a chance. Um, I'm going to pass this over to you since you clearly haven't seen Basic. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Um, so for my next <clears throat> pick, I actually went with uh, Clue. <laughs> where if we're including all genres, I almost want to. I almost want to say the board game if we're including everything. No, sure. no but uh, I was thinking specifically of the movie Clue. Um, and this movie is, uh, I feel like you take the characters from Clue and the setting from Clue and they made a movie based on it. And it because it's based on Clue, it has so many of those classic whodunit mystery tropes. But there's a bit of a twist, like there's kind of an intricate uh, game of blackmail that occurs and uh, the person you think is going to die ends up not. And there's a lot of like twists and turns in it. But the biggest reason I picked this movie is, well, maybe not the biggest reason, but one of the big ones is the movie. We've talked about this in theaters before, or we've talked about this on the podcast before, Drew, but in theaters, this movie was released with multiple different endings. So when you go to see a showing of clue it's going to end a different way than uh one of your friends who goes to see the movie and it was kind of this brilliant thing to it was a really interesting play off of the whodunit murder mystery style of storytelling but it also was like a really cool way to battle spoilers like you couldn't see this movie and give away the ending to somebody because that might not be the ending that they get and uh if you watch the movie on video, you actually have you end up getting like every single one of those endings in one sitting of the movie. Um, um, and so, like, I think it's I just think it's really genius and impressive that sort of uh, multiple endings that they had in the movie. Um, otherwise, like when I think of whodunit murder mysteries, Clue is one of the first franchises. Just Clue as a whole is one of the first things I think of so that definitely had to make my list in that regard but uh yeah that's probably all i have to say on it i don't know <laughs> true i don't know if you have any thoughts on clue yeah no this the movie's great the the three endings so i have the dvd and uh when you watch it it gives you all three endings back to back and it's they have this yeah. site where you're like no, no no this is what i think really happened so <laughs> it's kind of funny where if you went and saw this in the theater it was a different ending every single time which was really cool um yeah, great call. Uh, it made my short list. Uh, the only reason I didn't make the higher list was mostly because I felt like it was too cliche of an answer, to be completely honest. So, which is, <laughs> which is weird to say, but I really felt like it was like too cliche of an answer. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd say true. But um, <laughs> no, actually, no, you're correct. It is. <laughs> I was going to say sometimes the cli Sometimes there's a reason certain an answers are cliche, but in this case, I think you are right. Like this is the cliche answer to the to the question, but yeah. uh, still one of my favorites. So. No, it's all good. I'm not faulting <laughs> you for it. Um, all right. So my next one is a movie called Murder at 1600. Do you know this movie? I'm familiar with it. I don't know if I've ever watched it, but um, Wesley yes, Snipes, I do. Wesley yeah. Snipes, Dennis Miller, um, Alan Alda. Uh, Diane Lane. Um, uh, I cannot remember the name of the head Secret Service guy. Basically, 1600 refers to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, which is the address to the White House. And mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie, there is a murder that takes place in the White House. And then Wesley Snipes plays Washington, D.C. Police Department. He works in the homicide wing, the uh, homicide uh, unit, and he gets pulled in to investigate the murder. And the big thing is the Secret Service are trying to cover it up because it was a murder in the White House. But he's like, dude, 
this may be like your house, but this is my city. And when it comes to murder, this is my jurisdiction. So they have a little bit of that um, angle. But at the same time, it's a really cool mystery because there's a conspiracy to it. There's a government, there's some politics stuff. There's some cover up going on him trying to unlock the clues and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Diane Lane plays the Secret Service agent that is assigned to him to be like the liaison. So if he has to go to the White House, she follows him around. She follows him around on the investigations. Um, they end up working together. She ends up helping him solve the case and all that stuff. It's really, really cool, um, well-conceived mystery. It's something that would never happen, but the idea of it is interesting. And to watch how it plays out is really cool. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. I um I always wanted to watch this. I knew uh Wesley Snipes is in it, and I knew it. Um I knew the sort of White House connection. I think this movie has an amazing uh just title. Like I think murder murder at sixteen hundred sounds cool, but then when you think once you like realize like oh no that's the White House like that is such a cool like level of tension just built in into the title of the film. And like for me, I haven't really talked about this on the podcast, but titling things is one of my favorite aspects of just entertainment. Like if something has a good title, yeah, I'm that much more going to be excited to watch it. And if something has a bad title, even if it's really good, I might not want to watch it. So, but a uh, good pick. I'll definitely have to check this out. Um, yeah. All right, man. What's your next one? Yeah. So um, I'll go with the movie. I've talked about a ton on the podcast. I don't know if this one counts, I've talked about this movie so many times before. Everybody who listens to our our show probably knows I love this film, but I went with uh, the movie Zodiac, um, the David Fincher film about the Zodiac character starring uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, um, a bunch of other people. But, you know, of course, I'm going to name the MCU (laughs) actors. (laughs) But uh, no, this movie, Again, I don't know if it counts, but it is about the Zodiac Killer. This is the only true crime pick that I went with. But it is a movie that you watch and the whole time you're thinking, who is the killer? Killer. So I think it fits the mold in that way. It also fits the mold in the way that I watched this with my father. And during the film, he said, this is a whodunit. (laughs) So I think it fits the film because that was the person I watched the movie with described it in that way. So... I don't know. I love Zodiac. I've gushed about this movie a million times, so I don't want to go too crazy right now on it. But yeah, that's really funny. Um, Yeah, Zodiac is a great one. This made the short list, but the only reason it didn't make the actual list for me was because it's a true story. Yeah, absolutely. And it was more like I was kind of looking for more of the fun in this list than the than the truth. And I know, like, look, there's people out there that love their true crime podcasts and stuff like that. And I get that. Uh, but sometimes you want to be entertained, and I was kind of looking for this that kind of a feel when I was doing my list. So fair enough. Um, all right, so the next one on my list is a television show. It is called The Killing. Did you ever watch this? No, but I like that title as well. Sure. <laughs> so. um, Mireille Enos. Um, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, he was the most recent RoboCop. I'm drawing Joel, Joel Kinnaman uh, from oh, right. Suicide Squad. He's in it. They're like the two lead detectives. Ultimately, there's a murder that takes place, and it looks like it's centered around the fact that this mayoral candidate uh, for Seattle could have been is like the lead suspect. It is one of the most gripping 
murder mystery shows I've ever watched. It's three seasons long. Um, it's all, all of it is predicated off of one murder case. Cause you think when you get to the end of season one that they solved it, but there's a moment where you're like, no, wait, cause you see this piece of evidence and then it explodes and then you go right into season two. Um, it's so well done, but it is incredibly dark and it's incredibly, there's some uncomfortable subject matter, but it's awesome. And seeing how it all plays out, seeing how, like when you find out who did it, when you like everything, the way it lands, it, it's just phenomenal. Um, it is a Netflix show. Well, it wasn't originally on Netflix, but Netflix ended up picking it up to finish the show. Um, so nice. check, check it out. It's great. If you like if you like whodunit mysteries, Peter, watch The Killing. You'll love this show. That's awesome. How many seasons is it? Three. Um, Three? Okay, the first cool. Two are, the first two are pretty much regular length, and the third one was a short season to kind of close it all out. Okay. Nice. But yeah, you'll I I you'll really really like it. I I guarantee it. All right, man. What's your final movie of the night? Yeah. So my final pick, which I didn't mean to be my final pick, but because of the way things went, uh, it, it this ends up being my final pick, and I think it rounds off my list in a really cool but weird way. <laughs> but uh, I went with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Actually, um, ah. another one of my favorite movies of all time, and. Um, this one is another one that I didn't think of right away. You know, this is a one I didn't think of at all, to be completely honest. <laughs> yeah. Because you think of this movie and you think so much of the hybrid animation. Yeah. You think of the real world meets uh, Toontown. There's a lot of crazy behind the scenes, like just Hollywood and general aspects of it. But when it comes down to it, like this is a whodunit mystery, you know, like who killed Marvin Acme, you know, and like you go through um, Bob Hoskins character as the detective, like him looking at a bunch of different uh, characters and like who actually did it and stuff. And this is a movie I grew up with. And I think because I've seen this movie, I first saw this movie at such a young age and I knew how things played out. I think that's why I didn't originally think of this as a whodunit mystery, because in my mind, as far back as I can remember and just how they play up his character, I feel like there was never a doubt in my mind that Judge Doom was the actual villain of the movie. But like thinking about the movie and the way things play out, it actually doesn't confirm that until a little later on. So I think it definitely fits the mold. This movie's legendary. Um, screw Endgame. This is the true most um, most ambitious crossover movie event of all time. <laughs> so that's my final pick. So there you go. <laughs> well, all right then. Uh, no, I, love, I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I completely forgot that that was a whodunit murder mystery. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, that's what the movie is. And it's really funny that you say that a movie like that makes your final pick of the night. Um, because a mo the movie that I didn't think was going to end up being the final thing I talk about is my final pick. And it's So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, man. This is one that I didn't <laughs> think of, but cool. <laughs> this Look. You, the title's right there. So I married an axe murderer. So did you? Um, is is she the killer or not? And then it comes down to a lot of who done it. But it's Mike Myers doing what Mike Myers does best, and it's such a funny movie. Um, it's such a funny movie, but it's like charming and it's witty and it's smart. It's funny. It's um, and then 
when you find out who the murderer is the whole time, you're just like, oh, I should have saw that coming. No, I'm kidding. A lot of times I think you do see it coming, but it's so good. <laughs> and there's just and there's great quotable lines. Like, I feel like if you grew up in the 90s, you saw this movie and you can quote the movie always. And it comes up every now and then. And I just it's, I love this one. So um, so I married an ex murderer. Go check this out. That's great. Um, this is such a good call. I you bringing this up, I actually want to go watch this movie right after the podcast. I haven't watched this in a long time, but it's such a good call. It's such a cool movie. And it's one of the few movies where Mike Myers, like he was, you, you think of Mike Myers, you think of Wayne's world or Austin powers or the love guru and stuff. And this is like one of those classic Mike Myers movies where he just plays like a normal dude. <laughs> like he doesn't have some big, ridiculous right. cartoony personality. And I think that's one of the, that's kind of a cool that I think lends to the coolness of the movie that he just plays this really relatable guy and uh, just the way things play out. Like, it's really funny. I love all the uh, all of like the beat poet like sequences with him are great. But just like the, the whole film is sequences. just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of this list. Um, I know, all, like I said, I know there's a lot of people like their true crime podcasts and stuff, and they probably were expecting us to come up with more serious, you know, whodunit stuff. But these are just some of my favorites and the ones that I like to watch over and over and over again. I think um, we had a good I think we had a good variety, actually. But seriously, the fact that we've never talked about the killing kind of surprises me a little bit. And because you liked The Sinner and you like this kind of stuff, go watch The Killing. Seriously, like make it. Yeah, a I'll have to check it out. Make it a priority. Um, all right, man. What are we watching? Um, what are we talking about next week? It's your call. <laughs> yeah, so this one's kind of weird. And, like, we are getting to the point in our podcast where sometimes I come up with a list and I have to second guess, have we done this yet? But I'm really pretty certain we haven't because we did a list once that was our sort of, like, pop culture, nerdy vacation de- destinations. Okay. But that's, that was places you wanted to go in the real world. And for the list, this list, I want to know your pop culture fantasy vacation spots. So these are <laughs> are places within the realm of pop culture that don't actually exist, but you would want to visit if you could. Wow. <laughs> so, like, the best way I can explain it is, like, when we did that list, Drew, the, like, nerdy vacation destination spot, you, I think you picked... Uh, Tunisia because you wanted to go to Tunisia to see where they filmed Tatooine for the Star Wars yeah, movies. But now we're talking about actually visiting Tatooine. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so any any time period, any medium, any planet, like I don't care, just pick some cool spots. Um I don't know if would you could you travel to all these places in the TARDIS? I don't know. I don't know enough about Doctor Who, but I think this would be a pretty <laughs> I think this would be a pretty fun uh list to go through. So um I am with you. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a hard list, but all right, let me It's a hard list because there's just so many different ways, but seriously, any genre, any medium you wanna pick video game levels, you wanna pick cartoon worlds like i don't care go bonkers with it great um all right well in that case um everybody do us all a favor and check out our website top five report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along to a link to our email top five report at gmail.com you can hit us up there social media either way works we're on google play iHeartRadio, stitcher apple podcast 
uh, Amazon and Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, uh, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be asking, is it really a coincidence that the director of The Way of the Water is advising you to take a pee break? <laughs> that sounds like a great Twitter topic. Let's see what Elon Musk says. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, everyone, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.